All right, Veritas, welcome to our equipping podcast. Uh, we got a fun topic today, summer, barbecue, and the art of rest. Um, and it's, it's summer is upon us. Like the first day officially of summer, do you guys know it? June 21. June, no way. June 21. So it just, summer just started? It just started. Wow. We got a, summering before that. Yeah. We, we got an early start with school yeah. going out, but officially summer just started June 21. Uh, that's my middle child Johnny's birthday, so I remember that. Yeah, hey. longest day of the year. Longest day of the year. So, you guys got any summer plans? Man, I'm in a cricket league, so that uh, <laughs> I know, I know. So that takes that takes some time. You guys, what listening, is cricket? That is not a joke. Yeah, Nathan is really in a cricket league. Yeah, Jake laughed at me, but it's not a joke. So, um, the you know, shout out to the Spartans. What up? Um, oh, I'm 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 not good at cricket. I'm not. I don't contribute to the team, but I'm enthusiastic. So that's it's a contribution. Yeah, there you go. And and those guys are super gracious. But that's a lot of Saturdays they're out there, and so I can't make all of them. Trying to trying to balance hobbies and family stuff, but that's a lot of summer. What about you guys? I uh, I like to ride my bicycle, so I've been out and about. Got a good early start in the spring of this year, so I plan on keeping that going this summer. So ride with the family. Um, we got into BMX this summer, and so we've been doing some Wednesday night BMXing and watching my kids do that, and that's been a that's been a blast. But other than that, nothing, nothing too over the top. Uh, for us, I mean, kids camps, sports camps, Bible camps, running here and there. Do you go camping too? Uh, I this is my first summer in like a decade that I don't have a Boundary Waters camping trip planned. Wow. I feel like I'll need therapy after. Like, yeah. that is my therapy, and I'm missing it, so. We can do a whole podcast that's just you, just therapy for Jake. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a long podcast. Uh, we uh, we go, every year we go to Backbone State Park with my wife's family and get those cabins, so. You can call that, some people would call that camping, but you're in a cabin. You're not, like, remote in a tent in yep. the woods, but. Um, so that's fun. And then I did get uh, a new smoker. So yeah. that can lead into our barbecue conversation. To me, it's barbecue season. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's a, it's a pellet smoker, which is, I'm learning the ropes. It's fun. And um, Is it one of those that you have like an app and you can go sit inside and keep the temperature Those that are tech savvy do that. <laughs> I don't know if I figured that part out. Um, Jess Huber, our kids leader, he, he came out to help me try to figure that out. And of course... Millennials and technology—they just start pushing buttons. Like I'm, don't press any buttons. I don't know how to undo. And he just—he finally figured it out. But then the next time I turned on my smoker, I couldn't get it to go past 66 degrees. Wow! Like you messed, you broke it. Like what <laughs> happened? And I finally figured out it was Celsius, not Fahrenheit. He messed like <laughs> 66 oh. Celsius, <laughs> which is 150 <laughs> Fahrenheit. Which is what the temperature is supposed to start at, and you go up from there. Gotcha. What's funny is Jess probably put the app on his phone, so he is down <laughs> in what Urbana, just yeah. controlling all your meat. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna be we're gonna be smoking a lot of meat. You guys, are you? Do you enjoy some good barbecue? So I wouldn't call it barbecue, and I, I'm actually grateful to you because up until this spring, I could not uh, do a steak on a grill. Because I didn't understand the searing part, I would just like burn it till it was like a crisp and oh, just be like so frustrated. That's a crime. Because, well, yeah. And so then I didn't understand the searing part. And then, like, you know, of course, moderating, I use charcoal because that's the only way to grill. Um, but like lowering the charcoal down a little bit, letting it 
actually turn white before you start like doing this and then you sear it and then you just kind of move them to the side and then let them sit in the heat for an extended period of time so i did that and then i could never understand how guys got their you know like if they wanted it red or medium or rare i could never figure that out so this year i i called jake and i'm like I don't know what we were doing, but I was like, "Hey, how do you do this?" And so, and so, the last few steaks I made have been really good. How do you? And take they've been your, soft. How do you take your steak? Like, I like my steak pretty well done. Oh. I take okay, a lot Matthew, of grief for that. Yeah, because yeah, the man, the, the man has. Loaded. Don't tell me you put ketchup on it too. <laughs> I don't put ketchup okay. on it. Okay. There was a pause that I was a little nervous about <laughs> in there, but you're like a farm boy, so you got horror stories I don't want to hear. That will yeah, spoil my I'm eating of driven red meat. by stories. So yeah, red red meat stories. I I like barbecue, but I I like how varied it is around the country. Mm-hmm. And so in the back of my mind, it's like I want to take a road trip and go to the oh, Carolinas nice. and Kansas City and Texas. Yeah. We and, plan our oh. travel around like barbecue stuff. We just Marcy and I celebrate our 20th anniversary, and we was like, okay, if we go this direction, we can drive through Kansas City and, yes. and hit lunchtime. And mm. so yes, love barbecue. Um, so I'm I'm learning. We'll we'll be doing some of that. If you're gonna get some barbecue in town, where do you, where do you go? In the area, we'll say that. There you go. I, I've only been at Sugar Fire once, but I was impressed. They did they did me right. I was going to say Sugar Fire Bandanas on First Ave is pretty good as well. Um, really enjoy some of the stuff there. Jake, you don't seem to. No, I'm not going to insult any <laughs> restaurant publicly. I'm not going to do. We're just saying only just positive privately. things. Uh, <laughs> this is the positive podcast. Yeah, Sugar Fire. Last time I went to Sugar Fire, there were some people that uh, – I got a note on my tray that says, thanks for all the work you do at Veritas. There's some Veritas people that were out working there, and it was great. Barbecue was amazing. The sides that they had were, were awesome, too. And I just had uh, Willie Ray's. The, yes. Yeah. It was really oh, good. His, they, they did, really good. They did yeah. a good yeah. job. So. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a sucker for some jalapeno cream corn. I'm just saying, man, that's the, that's the side that gets me there. I love at, it. At Sugar Fire? Just anywhere. Oh, if okay. if they got, I've not uh, ever heard of that before. So I mean, just I'm uncultured. Oh, jalapeno cream corn as a side, like cuts some of the the fat of the barbecue. Well, like it balances out for me. I love wow. it. That's good. That's a good dish. It's a good dish. So normally we think of summertime. Uh, there's family vacations in there. When you think of barbecue, it's, that's like you know, good time with friends sitting around. One of the things I love about smoking meat is it's low and slow. So you just got to slow down to cook barbecue. And we're, we're kind of talking about slowing down in life. We're going to talk about rest. Uh, it's a season of rest, but rest should be a part of our life all the time. Um, so we're going to jump into this. Why are we talking about rest, guys? And, and what does the Bible have to tell us about rest? And part of why we're talking about rest is we get it wrong. It's one of those things that we all assume, like, oh, yeah, I know how to rest, whatever. But if you ask anyone, I, I guess I don't know anyone who would look me in the face and go, yeah, man, I'm, my life is in great you know, rhythms and balance, and I'm always rested. Everyone's like, I'm busy. I'm tired. I could use more sleep. Every time. Yeah. I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy. yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, I fall into that trap, too. I not even other people, just struggling with myself to rest. I'm probably one of those guys that you talk to about that. <laughs> Positive podcast. I'm not naming names, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring myself up so early, but here I am. Yeah. So the issue of rest from a biblical perspective, where, where's the starting point? Where, where do we get that from? Yeah. I mean, it starts at the beginning, right? God builds a rhythm in in Genesis 1 and 2 that includes work and rest before the fall. So before sin, before rebellion, before any of that stuff, there's a day God sets aside for 
using himself as kind of this example, even though he doesn't need a nap or anything, but he, he goes, hey, it's important enough to me that I'm going to show you you need rest. You need this kind of rhythm, six days of work and one day of, of resting. And so that that helps define it and anchor it for us. You know, it's not just a command that like comes later on that we could kind of, as New Testament people go, yeah, yeah, it's a law, whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Built into the cycle of creation, God says rest is important, valuable, special. I feel... I feel like I just learned that. Like, I mean, just in thinking, I heard a guy teach through the Ten Commandments, and it says, remember the Sabbath day. And it's the only Ten Commandment that says remember. And, of course, I, I knew, you know, but had separated the two, that it's remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy, setting it apart from the rest of the days. Yeah, you mentioned Ten Commandments. You said it's a law. And, like, but first off, we started talking about creation, like it was modeled, but then later it's it becomes a law. So the Israelites get rescued out of Egypt, who had been slaves for 400 years, and you're getting to know your God who rescued you, and he gives you a law, and one of those laws is, hey, take a day off. You know, yep. Imagine how that might sound to people who are coming out of 400 years of rough slavery. Yeah. Hey, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to command you to take a day off. Why did he do that? Well, and, and even with that, they had so many material needs of like, you got to get water, you got to cut wood, just basic stuff for survival. And it's like, hey, plan to not do those things on that day. So I think some of it is God demonstrating he's the provider. He's the one that's good enough. He's got it for you and demonstrate it's not what you can do for God that's important, right? You're not a new kind of like, like Pharaoh's your king now and okay, go work for this other king who's going to treat you the same. Like God is going to treat you differently based on his character and how he designed everything to be ordered. So it starts with them having to trust that he is going to provide, right? I'm thinking manna in the wilderness. God is going to provide food for you that you just go out and collect, but one day he's not going to do it because he's going to give you enough to stock up and it's an act of trust. Like, are you going to trust that God's got enough for you so you can chill out? And I was just going to say regarding the manna too, every other day it would rot that night, but then for the one day God would extend it so it wouldn't rot even for the Sabbath day and just seeing his provision and sovereignty in that day of rest, like, hey, I'll take care of it for the next day. So I think there's something really cool about God showing like, hey, it's not about how much you can do for me. I'm going to build in something where it's just about you relating to me and responding to my character, even with the basic stuff of life. So it disrupts the idea that you got to work hard enough for God. And it also disrupts the idea that you can just kind of attack God onto your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got all my stuff to do and God's sort of a part of it. It's like, no, no, no I'm going to interrupt both of those ideas and force you to slow down and just enjoy me. Yeah. So there's a lesson in the Sabbath law, like God knows how to take care of his people. Yeah. He's somebody who can be trusted. He's a good God who considers your needs um, and you need to lean in and trust for his provision. Um, so some great principles behind that. Do Christians need to keep the Sabbath? Because, I mean, if you uh, read through the Gospels, Jesus got himself in trouble with Sabbath laws and rules. Um, it was, the Sabbath was a Saturday in a Jewish community. We go to church on Sundays. What happened there is some people, Sunday, it's now the new Sabbath for Christians. Do Christians need to keep the Sabbath? Like, how do you guys explain that? So there are a couple of things in there. The the Sunday Saturday thing you see from the the early pages of Acts, the believers st- 
stopped meeting on Saturday, which was the Jewish Sabbath day, and started meeting on what they called the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, because Jesus rose that day. So that very quickly in the New Testament becomes the pattern, because you're you're celebrating that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law and has now reestablished his people, his community. So that that's one thing that people might be confused about. Like, yeah, why is Saturday, Sunday, how this switch happened? That happened early pages of the New Testament. And then I think you see it lived out in Jesus' life, just the opportunity for us to have peace. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but um, just the reality of, you know, it's it's clear in our culture that we need rest uh, because people are spinning out all the time, running 24-7, but just the opportunity we have as believers to rest, even in our work. So as far as taking the Sabbath day, and especially taking it as far as some of the Pharisees did with how many steps they would have walked and whether or not they would have, you know, shucked a kernel of wheat, um, you know, we don't, we don't have that kind of uh, stipulations over our Sabbath day in the New Covenant. Yeah, Paul's pretty clear to the church in Rome as he's, he's unpacked the gospel for 11 chapters in the book of Romans. And then in chapter 14, he says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains to honor the Lord and gives thanks to God. So there, there's part of it where it's like, hey, be convinced in your mind of, of the best way for you to worship Jesus, but there's also freedom in the Christian community to either hold tightly to a certain day or not, and not judge the other person in light of that, right? So we see that pattern of a tight single day observance broken up in the New Testament right away, but the heart, the spirit of it is still there, that you're doing this to honor God and you should live in a rhythm that helps you honor God and steward your life. So you're saying there's a principle of Sabbathing, resting should be a part of a believer's life, but we're not bound to the commandment under the new covenant. Yep. Um, and, and you brought up in Colossians, as we were discussing this, Colossians 2, starting in 16. Therefore, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So already it's like, hey, if someone else has a different opinion of how these things work, don't pass judgment on each other. And I, I was talking, um, when I was in Salt Company, one of the, the guys in my D group came from a background where they had a strict Saturday Sabbath observance and he was processing now that he's part of Eritas, how do I talk to my family about it? How do I think about this? That reading through this passage was helpful for me because I was judging them. I was going, well, you guys are uptight about that. Don't you know we're in the New Testament? It's like, no, no, no. Like, okay, I can't pass judgment on them for trying to honor Jesus that way. And they can't, they shouldn't pass judgment on me either. But he goes on and says, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. I think, Matthew, to your point about the Pharisees, they were getting the, the shadow and the substance mm-hmm. messed up, where it's like focus so much on certain rules, certain laws, and missing what they were pointing to, missing the reality in Jesus. So your, your rest is not found in the day. It's found in Jesus. The, the person. Yeah, yeah. and we're yep. going to look into that more. But when it just comes to resting um, as a society, like how how does our world get it wrong? Like, do we struggle? Do people struggle with resting? Because before we said, like, just seems like the common answer is I'm busy. I'm busy. We all feel busy. We feel stressed. Um, How does our world struggle with resting? I think, I mean, just along the lines that you were just saying, like busyness. I mean, we've got soccer, we've got sports schedules, we've got work, we've got work we take home. Now that we work at home, we work just 24-7 or we just chip in a couple hours here, send a few emails. And so we just, that ability just to pause to pause 
and just rest. And I think, you know, you can go into the minutia of it too and say like, well, is having a TV on in the background resting and, and things along that? Or do I have to take a nap and stuff like that too? But the ability to stop, to cease doing anything and just relax. And then there are some who think, you know, like resting is doing my favorite hobby or something along those lines too. And so figuring out stuff along those lines. But I mean, how many people even work on their favorite hobby over the weekend or, or at some point they just pause and just focus on something they enjoy doing? Yeah, you mentioned emails and stuff. Technology has really impacted our world where your work is not kind of tied to that nine to five, I'm home now. It's like in your pocket, every email, every text. So we're more tethered to distraction on maybe an entertainment level, but also you don't get away from work as much. And more and more people are used to not seeing the work day as, you know, here to there. It's, I, I'll, I'll do emails when the kids go to bed. I just kind of spread it out. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are kind of nerds like I'm on this, but I read a lot of that kind of productivity and business literature, all, all this stuff. And there's a big conversation about boundaries and rest happening, not from a Christian perspective, but because the world is recognizing, hey, we've gotten something off and people are burning out because of it. Like there's something that goes against how we were designed in the way that we're trying to squeeze productivity out of every corner. And then our response often when it's like, okay, I can't work right now. I got to do something else. It's like, I'm going to watch Netflix and I'm going to finish this season and I'm, or I'm going to play this game that I've got these tasks I got to do today for this game. Like there are literally some games where you are just working. Like I, it's a little bit ridiculous, but there people work a full full job and then come home and work another job in a video game to earn, you know, resources in some game. Well, and it's interesting that you said work and video game. We need to talk about what work is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose they're stressing it. I don't even know how to turn on a video game. But But I mean, I think, I mean, I think with some of the games and the strategizing and stuff along that line, I mean, your, your mind isn't resting. I mean, you might be having more, it might be more enjoyable than plotting the course for your company, but you're plotting the course for your platoon to get to point B so that you win and dominate. Do you think people know how to rest? I mean, that's where we all desire rest. And one of the interesting things is um, we have more free time now than any time in history. We have more vacation time now than any time in history. We have uh, the workload is different, but options are more like you, you don't just have three stations on your tv you got a hundred and it's stressful and to pick so you have more stress coming from different directions it's it's not where do we go for vacation we have so many different options so people feel more stressed in that. and i think we let work leak into the other categories because we don't know how to rest so it's easier to answer emails because i know what i'm doing there and and not tell tell my company hey i'm actually gonna be dumb when i head home to be present and engaged in whatever since we don't know how to do that we just kind of let that bleed over so I'm thinking someone might be listening and going, I don't have time. I got all this to do. It's like, well, you actually probably could have time, but you've made a series of choices because you didn't know how to use it. The the time of day, the clock is a great equalizer. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. Everybody 100 years ago has 24 hours a day. Like that hasn't changed, but how we fill it, how we use it, our stress around it, um, how how we're managing it is different. So you could say you have a lot of time to rest, And maybe you actually take more vacation time than a person 50 years ago would, but we see a lot of restlessness. Like it's not, we may have had a lot of vacation, we're still just restless. 
like I saw a commercial that was talking about restless leg syndrome. I'm like, are we making stuff up now? Is that a real thing? And I don't. Somebody's listening probably has restless leg syndrome. As we're a cyclist, yeah. it yeah. is a real thing. Okay. We're not Sometimes doctors. your legs just But you're keep like going. sitting, but you're, what it, how would you explain restless <laughs> leg syndrome then? It's, it's, I mean, I think it plays out like when you're, so for me, like if, if you go on a long ride and then about 2 a.m. your legs are still riding and so your sheets are everywhere. They and, just, you uh, just you, can't relax. You can't relax. Yeah. Your legs are just needing to move. And this is, uh, so ache. with our mind, it's like I can't shut my mind off at home. It, it's, it's still going yeah. or I, my stress still, like I'm not able to relax. But what's the sin underneath that? I think I think going back, but the the issue is too like so my legs can't relax, but my mind can't relax. Like how many people are struggling with like shutting their mind down at night? And you might have so you've got the pressures of work, and you've got the emails, and you've got the decisions that need to be made. But then on top of that, you've got your family decisions and your life decisions. And so like I think driving that is a key thing to dig into and really start wrestling. With. Totally, and this is where I want to go pastor mode on this like. And say, well, what's the sin underneath that? Or maybe w- people are uncomfortable putting it that way, but like, what does that struggle reveal about our heart mm-hmm. in those moments? Yeah, I think so. We, we just had a book discussion from uh, Everyday Church, right? I think there are different sins underneath it that are exhibiting similar results. So the sin might be, hey, I don't actually trust that God's in control. I don't trust he's big enough to handle my issues. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't work, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. If, I, if I don't answer these emails, what's going to happen? You know? So you're not trusting God to provide. Yep, or, yep. Okay. Or it's, hey, am I valuable and worthwhile if I'm not doing something? Right. Yeah. I'm trying I, to prove myself. Yeah. I, I, was, I was at an all-inclusive resort with Elena a couple of years ago, first time trying this sort of thing. And she had a stomach bug and was in the hotel room. And I'm sitting like reclining on a beach chair looking out and I had this existential crisis of what am I doing? Who am I? Like, who am I without doing? And I felt guilty and worthless because I'm sitting on a beach. It's like, dude, what is wrong with you? You know, (laughs) like, and the, the issue with that is I'm trying to find too much worth and value from the stuff that I'm doing. And so I don't believe that God actually loves me because of him and not because of me or that that I can have worth and value without me doing enough for sure. it. I think along the same lines, I come out of the farm background, construction background. So after a day of true work, I'm all dirty and and all this stuff too. And then switching into working at a church, serving at a church and just coming home clean. And, you know, I my muscles aren't tired and all that stuff too. And, and then you're shifting into people work. And so you're trying to like help people or minister to people, disciple people. And you're like, I want more, I want more, I want it faster, I want it faster. And that lack of trust for me, um, some of the self-image stuff, like what is what does my wife think about me? What does my dad think about me? What do my old friends think about me? What do my new friends think about me? And some of that image and, and just that concern for the perception of other people. I also think we can we can not rest because there are certain issues, problems, relationships in our lives that we don't know how to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it's when we rest, we, we slow down and realize, oh, there's some stuff where I need help that's beyond me. We, and it's easier to stay busy and do something else than figure out, hey, my marriage isn't, is there's something right. off? I'll just go do a project or work on something rather than actually go to the space where I might have to pray and depend yeah, on God and deal with the uncomfortable. That's interesting because in that sense, not resting is saying, like, I need the distraction. Mm -hmm. Because if I stop, I have to deal with 
who I am, my junk, my situation. So I'd rather just stay busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you're saying you're you're restless because of um, your worry and your anxiety, which is sinful. You're restless because you're trying to work to prove yourself, which is sinful and seeing not your value in, in Christ. So even the idea of saying restlessness just isn't a problem. It's connected to a sin problem that's deeper that we need to get to the heart of that. Mm-hmm. Um and the gospel in Christ answers that, provides rest. And we'll see that a little bit. But before we get there, what's the difference between, like, rest and just relaxing or vacationing or just not working? I think the the result shows you which one is which, right? Because they— Like you come back from a vacation and you need a vacation from your yeah, Exactly. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And— two people might do the same activity and one's relaxing and one's resting. So, I, you know, that can be tough because it's like for Matthew, riding a bike might actually be a way where he's engaging with God, which is the heart of rest, right? Enjoying God and his creation. Like it's directed towards him. For someone else, you might be so concerned with your body image that you have to be on a bike. And so you're not actually resting. You're just, you're doing another form of work. Or, or even relaxing, like if you're if you're on the bikes so that you can go to the five bars along the route and just get smashed so you can barely ride your bike because it's relaxing with my friends, right? That's that's not true rest, you know. So you could look at the same activity and have a different heart posture, a different goal, and have totally different results from it. Yeah, I did find relaxing as superficial. It rests your muscles, uh, maybe even a little bit of your mind, but resting is resting your your muscles, your mind, your heart, um, just getting to the deepest level of. Of peace, and I think I think society is getting onto that. In that, you know, they talk about. I just read an article last week where they talked about um, spending 15 minutes in solace and and quiet, and they often tie it into with yoga and things along that line too. And they consider it emptying the mind, whereas f- rest for a Christian is filling the mind with the bigness of God, like setting my mind on Christ. And in that, I remember like God will take care of my situations. If my job fires me. God will provide for my needs or provide a new job. Or, or if people struggle with my image, I know I'm created in the image of God. And so that really ministers to your heart as you spend you know, an hour, as you spend two hours, as you maybe spend a day just resting and focusing and refocusing. So you can be a sluggard, as the Proverbs put it, and be restless. Yeah. And you can, um, you can be a workaholic and be restless. Like it's a deeper issue than that. So how do we get rest? I think there's there's a, a root, and then from there, there's practices to get back to the root. So the, the true rest we find is found in Jesus. And yeah, you listen to a church podcast, we went to Jesus. I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> we're as a church, we're going to go through Hebrews coming up. And, and Hebrews, the author of Hebrews spends so long looking at Old Testament um, people or laws or whatever, and, and showing us, kind of giving us this beautiful Bible study of how that actually finds its fulfillment in Jesus. So in Hebrews 2, he's talking about this idea of the promised land and also a little bit of the Sabbath in there. And he, he says, hey, people fail to enter rest. Like in, in Hebrews 4, when he uses that language, um, let, a, uh, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it, this rest, this promised land. Verse 2, for good news came to us just as them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. For we who have believed enter the rest. So the, the people that believe enter the rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. God talks about the seventh day as 
a picture of connecting to him and that the way we connect to him is through Jesus. So if you want to enter the rest of God, you go through Jesus. Like he says, um, Matthew 11, um, 28, I, th- I think it is Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, where, um, come to me, all yep. who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest, right? And then he goes into, like, the, the yoke and the burden, like, hey, you're going to act, there's, there's work involved in this, but there's rest. Yeah. Like, th- I'm, calling you, I'm calling you to follow me. There's going to be some challenges, um, but there's rest. So it's like rest is deeper than just not having, exerting energy. It's, it's an inner rest and peace that Jesus yeah. is calling us to. Yeah, rest is a person. And we practice things that help us connect with the person. And that might be different for different ones of us, right? Maybe you've heard, if you work with your hands, rest with your mind. If you work with your mind, rest with your hands. So for you, Jake, you work with your mind. You're writing sermons, meeting people, whatever. It's restful for you to go and paddle a canoe and set up a camp. And those things help you connect with Jesus and enjoy him. I mean, similar for me, like standing out in a field with cricket, you know, or like running and chasing a ball. I enjoy God because I'm out in creation in ways that I'm not normally when I'm when I'm meeting with somebody. That those things help. I think similar with you, Matthew. Getting on a bike out, going out and using your body because you're working with your mind. Those things help you connect with the person of Jesus, and it'd be different for for another person. Yeah, I think I think what's interesting regarding um, you know Matthew eleven twenty eight, like come to me, you who are weary, heavy laden, and then he talks starts immediately talking about a yoke that's put put on you. Like that doesn't seem fun to be. Uh, compared to like two oxen marching down a field with a cart or with a plow or whatever. And I think First Peter talks about, you know, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And um, just realizing that as we serve Christ, you know, it, it is restful as we work, as we bear the yoke, because our strength in that comes from Christ. And so while the world is, is sweating its way through the workday, we're, we're on a mission field as everyday missionaries trying to serve the Lord in that. And while we have to get the documents uh, written and printed, um, we're, we're on a mission. And so doing it with the strength that God supplies. And then as we trust God through those everyday minutia things, we can come into a weekend or a time gap and just be at peace because we've, we've let the Lord do the work through us. Yeah, when, it, when you mentioned that passage in Hebrews 4, 3, and we enter the rest by believing. And earlier we talked about some of the sin beneath our restlessness of coming back to, like, what am I not believing that's leading to my restlessness? Like, if I'm... I'm not at rest because I feel like I have to work to prove myself. Okay, I'm not believing that God is sufficient and enough and his acceptance of me is by grace. Or if I'm uh, not at rest because I'm worried, it's like, okay, then I'm not believing that God is trustworthy and he can handle this and he's sovereign. So I'd like to be able to come back. If we enter rest through believing and we're restless, we need to not say, like, I need some time off. We need to say, what am I not believing? And then actually find rest in the truth of the gospel. So how do you guys practically pursue rest? I think it takes, I, I, uh, the way I've talked about it before is it takes time and it takes tools. You got to set aside some time and fight for that time and then try out different tools and see what works. So 
I really struggled with not having hobbies because before I was in ministry, I liked to meet with people and talk about Jesus and read books. And then I got into ministry and my job became meet with people and talk about Jesus and read books, you know? And, and so the things that used to be restful and relaxing became work. And so having to find some things like sailing, using my body, enjoying creation. Like I can remember times where I was out on the water and just had this wild sense of like, God, you're big and you're beautiful and you're good. You know, like I can, I can remember those feelings because that was one of the things I tried and, and found that for me and, or standing in a field Monday night, I'm, I'm just, you know, fetching balls, but like, the sun is shining, the wind is blowing, like, God, you're so big, you made all of this. And I'm hanging out with guys that speak a different language and have a different culture, and you made them too. And so those things refresh me. Or getting to spend time with my family, like being in the backyard, my wife um, really getting into gardening now, and just watching my little girl run around the yard and chasing after her. Like, those things are, right now, have been good tools for me to rest and enjoy God. I think for myself, I mean, I'm probably the guilty party here. I feel like uh, deeply convicted <laughs> that I don't rest well. Um, I think um, even using new language for me, like I, I need not work. I, I need not prove myself. Now, I need to be responsible with the gifts and abilities I have and not be lazy or, or fall into that ditch on the other side. But um, knowing God's given me the strengths, the weaknesses that I have for a purpose, um, they're going to draw me closer to Him or they're going to harden my heart. And so... Um, trusting, trusting my image to him, trusting who I am to him, and then resting in the practical thing. I mean, as has been referenced, I, I like to ride my bike, and that gets, you know, you get out into the hills, or you get out, I've had the opportunity to ride across the straight state of South Dakota, and you just see, like, this huge plain out there, and you're just like, this is awesome. God is awesome. And just resting in just that power and supremacy and awe. I like how you said I got the opportunity to ride across South Dakota. For most of us, that would be a punishment. But <laughs> yeah. you're like, that. I mean, because that's, that's, that's good for you. Like, that does something good for you. If someone's like, hey, you got to ride across South Dakota, I'd be like, oh, Lord, what have I done? Like, this is purgatory. I don't believe in purgatory, but this must be it. But one of the things that came out of both of you guys' answer is your interest, whether it's sailing or cricket or biking. But on top of that, you were in situations that um, – assisted you in the truths that you needed to believe. I'm out in this water and I'm taking in the marvel of God and how big and how great he is. I'm seeing God in, in the scenery and his creation. So it's like finding rest. It's like, where can I position myself to reinforce the truths of God? Maybe that is a night with friends and family. Maybe that's out in the boundary waters, sitting on a lake, watching the sunset. Like, Or, or we can't always just get away to do those. Maybe it's on your back porch and you shut the TV off, you put your phone away and you, you contemplate the truths that need to be reinforced that rest your soul. I just want people to know it's greater than time off. It's greater than vacation. It could be the 10 minutes before you go to bed um, to actively yeah. dwell on the truths because we enter rest through believing. Right. So it's like, what do I need to reinforce the beliefs that give me rest? And Augustine, in his confession, said, my soul was restless till it found its rest in you, Lord. Like, if you're feeling restless, yeah, again, the answer is not some place on a map or, yeah, some hobby or whatever, because you can do your hobby and still be restless. But it, 
you find your rest in the Lord. And I mean, Christians from, so I'm quoting someone from, you know, the 300s, like Christians have been, have been thinking through this and working on this since the creation of the world. I was going to say something mind-blowing, and then you brought up Augustine, so I'll just reduce my, my <laughs> comment here. Um, but I, I find it interesting, like, when you rest on a porch, and this is just reemphasizing what we've been saying, like, light the bonfire, and then just leave the fire alone, too. Like, just let, the, let it burn. You know, I, I go to the beach with my family. I'm not necessarily a beach person. I'm more of a mountains, uh, woodsy guy. But, like, I'd go to the beach, and I'd build sandcastles for four hours. Like, stop. Just stop building sandcastles. Like, like sit and just be in awe. Like, rest your body, rest your muscles, rest your mind. Like, reflect on the greatness of God. And you can see the greatness of God in your backyard. You know, you, you, you get into your backyard, and you might sit there, and you're, you're annoyed that the grass grows every time it rains. i got to mow again. But, you, like, all that grass is, like, taking in sunlight and growing. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, just be in awe for a minute as your phone is gone, as you're... Your emails are gone as, you know, you watch the fire, like be in awe, like in your backyard of who God is and just rest that he cares about every strand of grass in your yard. Yeah. Um, Veritas, here's a couple resources if you want to kind of further read up on this. There's a couple books in the last few years that uh, I've read that have been helpful in this area. The One is The Common Rule, Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. Uh, it was a really practical and given some some helps on how to... Uh, have more intentionality in your life with rest. The other one was The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, John Mark Comer. Um, another similar book on just some rhythms and disciplines in, in our life that uh, cater to a life more of rest. But it, it's more than just vacation. And, and church, we hope that uh, the people of Veritas rest well uh, and not that you vacation a lot, but that you are energized, and you have a, a peace and a contentment because of the amazing truths of the gospel. Um, so uh, we love you, and uh, rest well. Hope you have a great summer. <laughs>